Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Can we just stop for a second before we go? And I want to have a bit of an honest conversation. Where are we at with volunteer training? You know, if you're like me or like so many church leaders, we start at the beginning of this year saying, this is the year we're going to do it different. We're going to have the pipeline. We're going to work to ensure that we have training for people across a whole bunch of different places. Uh, You know, volunteer training is one of those areas where, yes, you could do next weekend without it. But if you invest in it over the long haul, it makes such a difference in your church. But, you know, just getting people together is a problem. You know that. I know that. Everywhere I go across the country, people are saying, listen, people are are more crunched for time than they've ever been crunched before. Just getting people in the same room is a problem. What are we doing about volunteer training? Well, Ministry Grid is the answer. Uh, They make it really simple to train every volunteer and leader in your church. With a library of over 3,500 videos and 850 courses, you will find training for every ministry area and leadership level. From volunteers to leaders to ministry directors to staff, Ministry Grid's scope and sequence of training makes it so easy. Listen, don't feel guilty anymore. You've been wanting to do this all year. All you need to do is plug this into your ministry. It will make a difference. And you can customize the training amazingly to fit it perfectly into the context of your church by adding videos, PDFs, YouTube videos, and so much more. Listen, I want you to get unlimited access to Ministry Grid for just $597. Just go to ministrygrid.com forward slash unseminary. That's ministrygrid.com forward slash unseminary. Now, now listen, I want you to do this. Let's get this done before the end of this year. All right, let's enjoy today's podcast. Let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. You are in for a treat today. I've been looking forward to this conversation for quite a while. We've got Pastor Andy McQuitty with us. He is from Irving uh, Church, Irving Bible Church, which is a fantastic church that you should be tracking along with. Uh, Pastor Andy, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Rich. Great to be with you. I'm excited to hear a little bit of this story and to dive in. Why don't you tell us, for folks that don't know, tell us a bit about Irving Bible and then your uh, your role there at the church. Yeah. Well, um, IBC is a, it's a non-denominational church. Uh, it's a Bible church. And mm-hmm. um, I have been the pastor here, the senior pastor here, up until uh, last January, uh, for a total of thirty-one years. That's and, congratulations. Uh, in that time, I, I you know I came in October of nineteen eighty-seven, and the church was was located eight miles south of here on four acres of land. Uh, it was a church building that uh, was built under Dr. Chuck Swindoll's auspices when he was okay. the pastor here. That was right before he went out to Fullerton. Mm-hmm. And uh, I came to that old building and uh, right after a big split uh, and uh, the church had dwindled down to about 100 people. And there was, uh, you know, a, a mass exodus. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the people that had actually uh, initiated the split left the church and started another church. And and then the people that were left 
called me. I I was just at a (laughs) seminary and never preached two weekends in a row. And uh, I got a call to this church that that ran Chuck Swindoll off and that split. And all my friends were saying, don't go there. (laughs) And my answer was, you know, this thing is already so low. I I don't think there's anything I could do to make it worse. So (laughs) so we came and uh, that was 31 years ago, almost 32 years. That's amazing. And uh, we uh, we've we've seen the church grow over the years. We relocated the church to acreage up here in Las Colinas in the north of Irving. And um, Lord has uh, just blessed and given us great ministry across the street and around the world. That's amazing. I love that that picture of like, well, if Chuck Swindoll couldn't make it work, like oh, maybe I can. <laughs> yeah. Which is amazing. And you know, so the thing I love about today's conversation, well, first of all, I think, you know, on behalf of your church and just on behalf of uh, ministry folks in general, like thank you for serving with such faithfulness over, you know, an extended period of time for not flaming out. You know, I'm I'm in that weird kind of middle 40s where yeah. I'm not a young leader anymore, but I'm not an old leader. And, you know, a leader like yourself that has, you know, shown a faithfulness in the same direction for an extended period of time is it's a real motivation and privilege to get a chance to talk uh, today. So what I wanted to do was to pick your brains uh, to really kind of tap your heart for pastors. I know one of the things you have a heart for other pastors, you have a heart for, for leading and caring mm-hmm. other, for other pastors. Mm-hmm. If you, if you were to look back and say, okay, so, uh, to, to leaders who are starting out today, what are some of those things that you would do differently today? If you were kind of starting all over again, you were, you know, looking back, <laughs> you were to be that pastor who hadn't preached two weekends in a row. Uh, what are some of those things that you would do when you, you know, today, knowing what you yeah, know now? Yeah. Well, that, that's a great question. Uh, somebody has said that an expert is someone who has made every conceivable mistake in a given field. <laughs> and that's yes. me. So, you know, in 31 <laughs> years, I have made yes. every conceivable mistake. That's and fantastic. Uh, uh, hopefully I've learned from them, though, and, and, and corrected things and, and, and put into play some of the things that, that, that I might mention in answer to your question. Like, what would I do now? If I were yeah. starting again, that I that I uh, that I didn't do 31 years ago, um, cu- two two things about community come right to my mind, Rich. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The first one is that I would create a pers- what 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 I actually now have and have had going for 20 years, but mm-hmm. uh, you know the first six years I, I, or the first 11 years I didn't have it. Uh, what I call a personal board of directors. And, and what this is, is it's, it's a group of men from within the church mm-hmm. um, who uh, most of them are older than me. In fact, all of them were older than me when I invited them to be on my personal board. Mm-hmm. And they were all friends of mine, as well as being, uh, you know, influencers in the congregation, etc. Not all of them. Some of them were elders, not all of them. But uh, I chose them uh, to, to come around me on a weekly basis. And uh, and 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 hold me accountable and 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 fellowship with me and and in in, in return I I discipled them and uh, it's you know I did not do that the first eleven years I you know I was I I think I was abused with the with the thought that um, elders rotating on and off my board every three years would be my solid group standing behind me mm. and uh, you know hopefully they were and they and they have been but. You know that that's more a, a, a institutional support group. Uh, mm-hmm. What I'm what I'm suggesting here is that every pastor 
with the incredible pressures that we all mm -hmm. carry and, and face, we need that. We need, we need friends around us um, who, who are not our bosses. They're, they're not our supervisors. They're, but hopefully they are, they are loyal to us personally and they have the wisdom of life so that, mm. you know, over the last 20 something years with, with the group that I have going, man, we have walked through all kinds of church issues and conflicts and personal struggles and stresses. And not only in my life as a pastor, but in all the guys' life. I mean, we've, we've buried two of our friends from that group mm. and, and walked through that with their families and, and gone through job loss and illness and cancer and so uh, I, I think creating that band of brothers with personal loyalty is something that, man, I would do that right from the beginning. Because after I started that group, um, man, my spirit was was fortified. And I, I just felt, you know, I felt like I was not in this alone. And I had a group of godly men who were who were personally loyal to me and wanted me to succeed enough to tell me the truth and to stand behind me and to encourage me and also to confront me when I needed it. Yeah, I love that. I think, you know, sometimes this idea uh, that they that the elders of the church, they obviously are a support to, all, you know, to senior pastor particularly, but then, you know, the kind of senior leaders of the church, but they also are asking the organizational functional questions exactly. that are, uh, that hopefully there's not a lot of conflict between that and supporting uh -huh. the senior leader, uh, uh -huh. but there can be. There is just a natural tension oh, there, yes. and 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 having uh, a group of leaders around you. Now, what does that look like? How often do you meet with them? Has that changed over the years? Has that you know what have been some kind of the rhythms of that? Uh, yeah, you know yeah. that has have seemed to work well for for you over the years. We meet three quarters of the year. We take off summers, and we meet weekly on Wednesday mornings at six thirty, from six thirty to eight. And mm -hmm. we have reserved a room in various restaurants around the city uh, as they've come. We've been in one restaurant now for the last 12 years. And uh, mm -hmm. so we just get together. We meet. Um, you know, our, our process is basically we we connect with each other, what's going on in our lives and pray for each other. And then by way of discipleship and so forth, I've had a lot of fun with this. I have taken these guys into my confidence in terms of what I'm preaching you know, every mm -hmm. Sunday. And so our Bible study time is the passage that I'm preaching the very next Sunday. And oh, so wow. I, sol I, sol I go through the passage with the guys and I say, okay, guys, tell me what to do. Tell me what mm -hmm. to say. Hmm. What do you see in this passage? What, what is moving? And our, and our watchword, our phrase is, you know, there's no cure for dumbass. So the problem <laughs> is, you know, and, and the guys are they, they are just giddy with delight on the rare occasions when on a Sunday morning, I'll actually say something from the from the pulpit that, that one of them said in our in our prior Wednesday meeting. But I always look for opportunities to do that, to let them know, hey, I'm listening and I'm benefiting from you. Sure. But they were benefiting, too, because they knew that, you know, if, if they throw out an illustration or they give an example or they have an insight that that might show up in front of a few thousand people, you know, in just a couple of days. And so they take it seriously. And um, it's, it's been great fellowship, too. Mm -hmm. Very cool. You said there were two relational things that came to mind. What was the other one that, that yeah, came the to second, mind right it's, away? It's a second group. The first, the first group is a personal board of directors. The second group is a, is a peer group of senior pastors. Okay. Uh, yeah. This is also something I didn't start for about 10 or 11 years. I started this 
with a group of pastors here in Dallas uh, mm-hmm. about tw- almost 25 years ago. Right. And um, I, I feel like this is so important too, Rich. You know, I, mm-hmm. every, every town, you know, especially in the Bible Belt, we have, you know, ministerial associations and, and, and that sort of thing. That's not what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about putting together a group of friends that are like-minded and, and have kindred spirits in terms of the ministry and the pastoral call. Uh, and who are pastoring similar size ministries with similar complexities and similar kinds of conflicts and, and levels of conflict mm-hmm. uh, with with the idea that, you know, and I, and I formed this with se- several of my friends that I got to know, senior pastors of large churches in Dallas about 25 years ago. And we meet every month for lunch and we, we just move around to different campuses for the lunch. But that is a sacrosanct time. It's a couple of hours, and we get together, and it's just senior pastors, and it's all on. It's, you know, we're friends with each other, and so as as we're we're talking together, best practices as we're encouraging one another, you know, on the on the maxim that you know you only see what I see when you sit where I sit, right? I mean, right. we 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 do face, I think, unique pressures as senior pastors that that no other staff or elders or leaders in the church face, and so. To get together with those guys is just another level of essential encouragement and support, I think, for a senior leader. Absolutely. And I have benefited from Man, we, we have exchanged programs and missions and, and ministry ideas. And we've actually, you know, I've, I've gone and spoken to the staff of several of my friends' churches, and they've come and spoken to mine. And we've, mm, we've oh, done, so you know, we've had some, re- some all-staff retreats where, you know, like, Eight of our churches, we all went to a retreat center and brought our whole staff. And, you know, we had like 300 people. And it's just, you know, to, to get and we do all that because of our relationship together. And uh, we all benefit from it just immensely. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Now, I, so I love that and and have benefited from that, that kind of experience for sure in my own ministry. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you ensure that it doesn't just become a... Who's got the bigger church kind of conversation? <laughs> like I find sometimes those, you know, and it, it, early on it can it can be that way. How do you push beyond that maybe relationally? How do you yeah. – I sometimes find like the first conversations with pastors are like, okay, people, like let's let's yeah. move beyond that to – we all have unique challenges in our areas. How, how, how have you been able yeah. to ensure it doesn't just become that? I think you get beyond that, Rich, when you form the group by mm. carefully choosing the guys that are in the group. And, uh, I, you know – it started with with two of us. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, uh, pastor of another prominent church in in the Metroplex and I. Mm-hmm. We had become great friends. I mean, we shared some interests. We play golf together and do sure. crazy stuff together, and we just become great friends. And so, you know, he he knew how big my church was. I knew how big his church was, and but through our friendship. That, that kind of melted away into non, non-significance. You know, it was like in our relationship, we knew we were for each other and therefore for each other's churches. And, and it wasn't some sort of a pecking order, you know, uh, right. in terms of who's got the biggest one. And we added to that group judiciously. We didn't add to mm. the group, you know, just we didn't th- certainly didn't throw out a, a broad net and say to, you know, 50 guys, hey, we're doing sure. this thing. It's just yeah. another ministerial association, right? Right, right. I mean, we we brought in our our personal friends that we already had a relationship with, 
And that whole pecking order and size of church, you know, uh, comparisons and all that kind of stuff really was headed off at the pass. I mean, because of the way we recruited guys into the group, it just, you know, none of the guys that we asked in there had any interest in, in, in any of that kind of stuff, but they had yeah, a lot right. of interest, you know, in, in, in each other's lives and ministries professionally and leadership. And, and, you know, we, we always get together. We, we, we have the first half of our time together is just, you know, just personal spiritual soul care for each other. You know, how you doing, you know, what's, what's going on in terms of your family and ministry, your life and so forth. But then the second half of our time together, the host pastor always has a subject that he mm. chooses and throws out to the rest. And often that subject is, you know, we're, we're having a bear of a time trying to figure out our membership process, let's mm. say. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, you know, let's talk about it. What have you guys done? What's worked? What hasn't worked? And, and a number of subjects like that, you know, going to multiple services, going to multi-site. I mean, we've been through all that stuff together and helped each other immensely. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's cool. Very cool. Now, when you think about it, kind of how you organize your time, when you look back over 31 years, I know a lot of church leaders, a lot of pastors are struggling with like, hey, how should I be investing my time? How yeah. is it that you you kind of thought about what was the kind of the sweet spot kind of way that you ended up divvying up your your time while you're at the church? <laughs> well, it was it was trial and error, Rich, all the way trial and error. You know, <laughs> I, I mentioned earlier that when I first came to this church as senior pastor, I had never preached two sermons, two weekends in a row. Mm-hmm. I'd been, you know, I'd been a youth pastor before I went to Dallas Theological Seminary for their four-year THM program. Mm-hmm. Uh, while we were in seminary, I, I helped us plant a church. And then after I graduated, I was the associate pastor of that church for two years, but mm-hmm. not preaching regularly, sure. I mean, you know, every so every great while. So, so I, I never really, until I actually came to IBC, and became the senior pastor, did I ever really, by experience, start to work out how on earth do I apportion my time? Sure. You know, yeah. when I came when I came out of my homiletics classes at Dallas Seminary, you know, I I was I was given to understand, and maybe you were too, and maybe all mm-hmm. of us who have theological degrees, that you know, if we don't put forty hours into preparing the sermon. You know, we're shortchanging the people of God. Sure. And uh, so, you know, I, I I think probably my my journey of apportioning time uh, started from the extreme of, well, you know, the bulk of my week has got to be, you know, in the study, you know, digging out the word of God to, to give on Sunday. And and I I do think, you know, that the three the three main purposes or or, or responsibilities of a senior pastor are preaching, pastoring and leading. Um you know, and, and so I, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, so yeah, you put a lot of time into that preaching. And, yep. Yep. But, but then, but then I found out that, you know, there's a, the inevitable emergencies and the, and the crises that come up and you're called out and you've got to spend time with divorce, divorcing families and, you know, you know, renegade children and, 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 and sickness, you know, all the stuff that comes up mm-hmm. under past, under the mm-hmm. rubric of pastoral care. Yep. And you can, you can just you can just throw uh, you know hours and hours into that, and uh, and between preaching and pastoring, leading uh, usually gets shortchanged. At least that was my experience in the early years. Is that and, and by leading, I'm talking about okay, casting a vision, 
mm-hmm. you know, getting people on board with the vision and then and then delegating and and checking and, and, and following up with people to make sure that we're doing, it. you know, ideation, delegation, inspection. That, that's mm-hmm. how I've always said it to our staff. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is actually the least demanding of your time in terms of pressure as a mm-hmm. pa- senior pastor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's actually the most important of any of the three, uh, three of the three-legged stool: pastoring, leading, and preaching. Okay. In my opinion, yep. if you want to build a growing ministry, sure. Because you know, um, if if you're not if you're not setting in motion new new engines everywhere mm-hmm. uh, in, in the church, and 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 bringing people into this vision, and delegating, and and, and building in teams, and and launching them, and then following up and make sure that's happening, then, you know, you're just a manager. You're not a leader. Sure. And uh, you're going to, hopefully you'll manage well, but you'll never progress. Mm. And so, you know, I've I've always felt like there's a symbiotic relationship, though, between those three functions, Mm -hmm. preaching, leading, and pastoring. I I think that that what what we need is uh, preachers, who are leading from the pulpit mm-hmm. and in their staff meetings in creating shared pastoring. Mm. In other words, you know, it's, it's the Ephesians model, you know, uh, uh, the pastors equipping the saints for works of ministry. Yep. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I've come to believe that, that, that leadership is actually the most important uh, of the three legged stools. Uh, I, I actually believe that the pulpit is the greatest leadership tool that a senior pastor has. Right. Okay. And I think you do a lot of your leading, a lot of your vision casting uh, from the pulpit. You lead a lot from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. And of course, the, the whole purpose of, 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 of a pastoring is we're, we're to equip the saints for the works of ministry. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're preaching and leading from the pulpit and casting a vision for a, 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 a community of pastors. Mm. That, that we are all involved, you know, the children mm-hmm. of God, the church. I mean, we are we're in this together. We've got the great commandment, the great commission. And and here's how we're going to do that in this church. And uh, so, I, you know, I, I probably the last the last decade of my senior pastorate, I probably apportioned my time like this. I mm-hmm. I spent half of my week leading. OK. And by leading, I mean meeting with, you know, staff meetings, elder meetings, um, following up with uh, various ministry heads and, and, you know, how's it going and what's, you know, what's going good and what's not going good and how, how, can we, how, how can we get further down the road towards this great, big, hairy, audacious goal of ministry mm. that we've mm-hmm. set. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it's leading, leading, leading meetings and personal times together, encouraging people and, and checking up and hold people accountable, all that stuff, I I, I count as leading. Yep. And uh, and then thirty five percent in in preaching, roughly, and then fifteen percent in pastoring. And and obviously, there's overlap between preaching and yeah, pastoring almost. because I yes. think I think you you pastor when you preach, you also lead when you preach. Um, so you know, I I, I think, and I. And I put 15% pastoring on the end of that. Yep. That seems kind of small, but but understand, I'm I'm also considering that I, I, I think we do a lot of pastoring from the pulpit sure. as well as leading. And, and so it's really more than that. But um, I, I, I would say 
that in a growing church, uh, one of the one of the goals of the senior pastor needs to be to delegate pastoring and to get Absolutely. pastoring pushed down into into other silos and small groups and 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 bands of people and tribes and Sunday school classes, so that you know the the burden of pastoring you know, a large groups of people doesn't fall on just you know a few people. So, absolutely, that's that's fantastic. Now, have you found that the preaching portion over the years has has shrunk, or or has it been pretty consistent that fifty thirty five fifteen? I, I would imagine over a few decades of preaching, there is like a little bit of like obviously you keep <laughs> investing in that, but but yes. it, you sh- you should become more efficient in your time. That would just yes. be not natural. You would think that absolutely it. It, it uh, definitely does uh, become more, you know, you do something for many years and that 40 hours that they taught you in seminary that you needed to put in, yeah. you, you begin to realize, no, I, you know, maybe at first, I mean, maybe, maybe when you're in seminary trying to get time to graduate. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I can do it. But, you know, you can, you, you can, and, and I'm, I'm a Bible church senior mm-hmm. pastor, right? Yes. So big, big emphasis on on pretty in-depth, you know, expositional mm-hmm. teaching through the Word mm-hmm. of God. And you just don't mm-hmm. get that out of our daily bread, right? Right, right, so, right, exactly. So you, but you you do learn how to to dig it out efficiently, and you get a routine. You get a mm-hmm. like a weekly routine, mm-hmm. and uh, and 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 then as in in the last couple of decades here here at IBC, I, I had the, the, the added assistance mm-hmm. of, of a whole, of a whole production team for our Sunday uh, services mm-hmm. that, it, that included mu- music and video and, and, and drama and all, all sorts of things that were all based on the sermon. Right. So what that, what that meant was it required long-term sermon planning, right? Mm-hmm. So you're planning, we, we try to plan a year out. Right. And, uh, and also, with the long-term sermon planning, you get all kinds of assistance from other people. You, you know, you throw out, okay, here's the series, here's the messages, here's the books of the Bible we're covering, here's the topics or whatever, mm-hmm. and then you get groups of gifted people together in a room helping you lay all that stuff out. And man, it's a lot of help. And I didn't have that help in the early days. Sure, yeah, but, yes. But you know, hopefully, hopefully, you get it as you go forward. Yes, absolutely. All right. So what about, you know, there's this tension in, you know, the kind of pastoring leading tension where I think sometimes, uh, you know, pastors who may be new in this, they they're live on this perception, this idea of like, hey, I want everybody to think I'm nice. I want everybody to like me. I'm, I think all of us, by definition, we care for people. We actually care what other people think. Uh, but that can, that can careen over to people pleasing, which is a problem. Um, mm. So how does that, how has that worked out in your leadership? What wisdom can you give us, you know, from that yeah, perspective? Yeah. I, I think what you just said is 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 very wise. I mean, the the whole people pleasing aspect of 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 shepherding and pastoring, I think, is something that's almost baked into the cake for a lot of guys coming out of seminary. Mm, um, yeah. You know, it's 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 just almost inevitable that you you feel okay. I'm a shepherd, so that means you know you you think of a pastoral scene and you, Jesus, you know, with his long beard and his flowing robes and his shepherd's yes. crook and and the sheep are just cradled in his arms, and this is what I am. And so, mm. you know, in, in that scenario, never is heard a discouraging word, right? And so <laughs> I, I just think we, we all kind of start out 
maybe with a little bit of a skewed understanding of of how extensive and pervasive that shepherding gentle gentle Jesus, you know, meek and mild. Mm. Uh, we we think, okay, I'm supposed to be gentle, meek, and mild. And <laughs> yeah, and yes, yes, you are. You yeah, know, I, the I, truth I, to that. It, but you know, I I, I love that. That that little saying uh, in in Lewis's, you know, when Mister Beaver mm-hmm. uh, says uh, in the line, "Which in the wardrobe about Aslan the lion?" Mm-hmm. You know, safe. Who said anything about safe? Of course, he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the mm-hmm. king. I oh, that's you. good. <laughs> you know, yes. he's good. See, so I, you know, I have, you know, I, I started probably. I, I caught on to this. I figured this out probably in the first three years of my pastorate. Uh, but it took, it took me about three years of just, just kind of having in my heart and mind, the direction that I felt like God had given me for our church, a vision and so forth. And I was working hard and, 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 you know, corralling, you know, people and, and getting this thing going. Mm -hmm. But inevitably you all, you always have people that, you know, they don't want to get on the boat with you. Right. Right. And, and there's a, there, there's, there's, there's some sometimes good reasons for that, but most of the reasons for people not wanting to get on that boat are not good. <laughs> they're not, they're not godly. You know, it's, it's more turf protecting. It's more like, you know, arrogance. It's more like, you know, laziness. It, mm. It's more like, you know, feeling displaced. You know, we were the, we were the big fish in the, in the small pond and, and now we're small fish and we don't like it. And so we're not, you know, all those kinds of ungodly things that come up against the senior pastors trying to lead mm-hmm. a church to become all that can be in the kingdom of God. So, you know, it, it, it occurred to me that, you know, being good is something that is always incumbent upon us, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but but not safe. Mm. You know, if if by safe you mean gentle Jesus, meek and mild, you know the the sheep and the shepherd's crook, and never has heard a discouraging word. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to I don't want to overstate this, Rich. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I I realize that probably a lot of my passion about this point comes out of my my personality and my DNA. I, you know, I'm an I'm an Irishman. I you know <laughs> I, I was an athlete. I, you know, I'm competitive and. And, and, you know, it, it is not my, you know, Jesus with the, sh- the, the, the shepherd's crook and its sheep in his arm is not my natural modus operandi. Mm, right. Okay. <laughs> I, I have to work, I have to work to be kind. Right. Sure. But, um, at the same time, I, I believe it's my responsibility to be kind. It's my responsibility to be good, but also it's my responsibility to, to lead authentically and transparently Right. And, to, and to have right. and to have it out with people that are standing up or, or, or creating barriers to the future progress of this of this community of faith. Uh, you know, sometimes you just have to do battle. Right. And I, you know, I, I tell young pastors, you know, that, that, you know, my observation is that about three years in to a pastor, you know, you have your first year, year and a half, you've got your honeymoon and all that. Everybody loves you. You think she hung the moon. <laughs> and then as, as you get on into it and, and they begin to realize that you're not just going to lay down and you, you, you've actually come here as a, 
as a leader. Right, right. And, and you have a vision from God for this church, and, and you are not you you're not willing to sit still. And here's where we're going. And and they realize, wow, he said all that when he came, but we didn't think he did. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's so true. And now about three years in, they begin to, you know, some of the detractors, and there are detractors in every church uh, of a senior pastor's leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it is hidden. Sometimes it's not hidden, but they're always there. About three years in, they, they start coming out of the woodwork and start bowing their necks and saying, you know, I don't know. And throw up all sorts of resistance that, um, that I just th- I, I think you have to confront that. Mm. And, and, of course, the, the trump card that, that disaffected people in our churches always play is the threat of leaving. Well, you know, <laughs> when, you know. And especially if they're uh, big givers or, you know, have have deep roots in that in that church and going about generations or, you know, influential leaders in the in the city. And now they're in your church and, you you know, it's an honor for you to have me here and Mm -hmm. you wouldn't want to lose me, would you? And uh, (laughs) one of the biggest things I had to get over at first, which I thought was just off, I just felt like a huge failure every time it happened was when somebody left our church, you know, Mm -hmm. and especially over a disagreement with my leadership about where we were going and what we were doing. I felt like I just felt, oh man, I'm failing or whatever, because these people don't think I'm nice. Right. (laughs) And then I began to realize what we all realize uh, after you've been into this thing for a while. And that is that sometimes growth has to start with subtraction. Mm. And so, you know, I, so I, I have a couple of th- words of advice that I've given to young pastors many times over the years. One of them is uh, be good, but not safe. Right. Okay? Right. That's good. Uh, fight, fight the battles that are for the, for the prospering and flourishing f- spiritual future of your church. Mm-hmm. Fight the battles to win them. Don't, sure. Don't, don't, you know, when the dust settles, you be the one still standing and uh, be willing, be willing to help people leave your church. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I I may have carried it a little too far sometimes, Rich, when I actually went to people and suggested that they leave. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, But you know, that's uh, it. I I just, I I just feel like I need to say that to, to especially young pastors who, who are still conflicted, like, you know, am I a failure if people mm. don't think I'm nice or whatever? Or if there's conflict about the future of our church and the, and the direction or whatever, you know, is it okay for me to fight? Is it okay for me to stand up? And I just want to say, yes, it, it, it does seem yeah, it like, does seem you know, like. a lot of prevailing churches that there's a, there's a key kind of mindset shift in the key leaders, the, the, whether it's a senior pastor or their, you know, the leadership team, that sort of thing where they get comfortable with the fact that we're not going to be the church for everybody, that there yes. are going to be some people that are not going to like this and they're going to want to leave. And that, that, that seems to be a key turning point in the leadership of that church that like, Oh, like actually that then opens up. It's like, it unlocks 
uh, a whole bunch of good things that, you know, there's, there's, there's exactly. real positive trickle down impact of that, that we're not chasing people. We're not, we're not really just saying, Hey, we're trying to keep everybody here. We're more about the reach, less about the keep. We're not trying to build a church. That's just about how do we keep the people that are here, but really, no, we believe that this is what God's calling us to. We think this is where, you know, the next step is for us. I, I think that's a really good positive, uh, encouragement for leaders who are listening in today. Yeah. Um, or anything yeah. else you'd love to share with us? This has been a fantastic conversation so helpful. Uh, I've been furiously writing notes here. I, I really appreciate this, uh, you know, Pastor Andy, but anything else you'd love to share with uh, people that are, are listening in today? Yeah. Um, let, me, uh, let me throw out a couple of very practical things mm-hmm. that uh, I think senior pastors uh, would benefit by. The, the, uh, the first one would be just the, the exhortation and the encouragement as the, as the chief of staff. And I, I I understand that most senior pastors are the chief of their staff. So, um, and that is to get the right people on that staff bus and, and maintain them on that ride. Sure. Uh, and that has the implication of get the wrong people off. Sure. Right. Because in my experience, Rich, everything, uh, in, in terms of the accomplishment of the, of the mission and the vision of that church for the future rises or falls on leadership. And if you don't have the right leaders in place, uh, they may not, they may not uh, denigrate the, the ministry. They may not, you know, have some sort of moral failing that brings calumny on the church and its reputation, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They may be just very nice people sure. that are plugging along, mm-hmm. passive and ineffective, <laughs> and they're not they're not necessarily disgracing the church. Right. But what they're doing is is putting a huge cover over the the, the growth of that church. Mm. And um, so, you know, I just think, and, and you know, I've, I've had, you know, this is something I think senior pastors learn over the years from, from hard experience, and that's hiring and firing mm-hmm. and, and holding people accountable because, again, it's that nice thing. I mean, how can I fire somebody from my staff? I mean, they're a Christian brother. Right. They're a Christian sister. Right. And they, ha- I know their financial situation. You know, they got it. And so you get a situation sometimes where you're, you know, it's, one of your benevolence programs at the church is a staff position, you know, <laughs> and that just can't, that just can't, can't be that. right. So, no. you know, I think I heard Hybel say many years ago, something like the church is a cause, a community and a corporation. Mm. And that just helped me immensely. Yeah. Yeah. The church is with the staff. Mm-hmm. It's a cause. Mm-hmm. It's the cause of Christ, the mm-hmm. great commandment, the great commission. It is a community. I mean, we are brothers and sisters together. And you have all the one another ministries of the New Testament. All that applies, yeah, to elders and staff and senior pastors and everybody in the church. But the corporation, it's also a corporation. Right. The, the minute you got a spreadsheet, you got to make payroll. The minute you got to fill potholes in the mm-hmm. parking lot, mm-hmm. you are a corporation. Yep. And you've got a bottom line and you've got a, a flow sheet and you've got income and outgo. Mm. And you know what? As a, as a corporation, you have to have accountability for yes. that. Yes. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I started years ago just saying, okay, look, you know, uh, this was about 20 years ago when every, every, everybody in the church was about being anti-business. Mm, it's like, yeah. oh, we don't want to be like a corporation. You know, that we don't want to run this like a business. And I was kind of a lone voice in the wilderness in those days saying, oh, yes, we do. Right, right. In, in certain areas, yep. you know, in part, you know, we're a cause. Yeah, we're a community. But guess what? We're a corporation, too. So what, why wouldn't we want to use 
best practices corporately, you know, uh, accurate budgets, Mm -hmm. audits, Mm -hmm. uh, annual reviews for staff, all that kind of stuff that that helps businesses be effective and efficient. You know what? We're a corporation, too. Not all of it is a corporation. Right. So anyway, I'm kind of passionate about that. I, I think a lot of churches don't grow to their 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 capacity because they um, they emphasize the cause in the community and completely forget about the corporation. Right. Yeah, and I th- you know I had heard recently uh, a friend of mine said, and on a similar kind of area, he said, you know, every minute that you keep a staff member who you know is ineffective on the payroll at the church, you're stealing from the kingdom of God. And I was like, ah, that's a good way to put it. And it's a bit convicting because I think we've all done that, right? We all think like, oh, it's Christmas time. It's, but there's never a good time. It's the beginning of the year. It's summertime. It's spring. There's no, like, there's never a time where like, this is the perfect season for us to transition someone out. And so uh, I really appreciate this pastor. This has been super helpful. Uh, And I hope encouraging for folks who've been listening in today. If people want to get in touch with you, kind of track a bit more with you, where where are you spending your days now? So, you know, what what does a retired? pastor do you know what's happening where are you spending your day well so i have i have a nifty uh shiny new title Mm -hmm. um i'm actually still on the payroll for the next couple of years yep uh, uh, but I'm not senior pastor. I am now pastor at large. Oh, nice. Okay, great. Not large pastor, <laughs> but pastor at large. Nice. And basically, you know, they, they gave me a, 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 a suite of offices down here in the youth wing of the building. I have my own entrance. I have my own foosball table, <laughs> bing bong table. Great. And I'm down here. I'm still writing and speaking and consulting and great. doing all, you know, doing the unseminary podcast yeah, and yeah. all kinds of fun stuff, you know. Good. So uh, love it, and so if people uh, want to so, track with you, they could check IrvingBible.org. Is that the best place? Yeah, they want to, yeah. Kind of just go to IrvingBible.org. Go to About Us, the staff, and all my contact information is 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 right there on the website. Well, Pastor Andy, I really appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you for uh, for giving us time, and again, thank you for serving well at the church for so long, and appreciate you sharing a little bit of wisdom today. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Rich. Privilege to be with you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary. <laughs>